listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenology club. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Hello, world. It is I, Buttress of New Jersey. I am feeling distraught and distressed for many reasons um but i would say one of the reasons that i am feeling distraught and distressed my family is because i've been feeling difficulty in trying to communicate with my human peers and in thinking about what the difficulty is in communicating with others, I feel as if a large part of the problem is that many of us are operating on entirely different criteria when trying to establish what we think as individuals should or could be said about any given topic. It seems like the criteria for how we should come to establish and venerate truths has just become so disagreed on uh, in such extreme ways that I feel many of us are experiencing this incredible dissonance and feeling that communication is becoming increasingly more difficult. And it hurts me, especially as somebody who can never shut the fuck up. All I want to do is talk about it. It being all of it. I want to talk about all of it. And it's become becoming increasingly difficult. And, you know, the problem is not only external. The problem is also within myself, you know. Trying to make sense of ideas is uh, a difficult process uh, internally. So of course it just becomes that much more difficult when trying to do the same thing with others. Um, and you know, this, this has become a bit of a debate in the public arena. I'm sure most of us are familiar with the kinds of criticisms uh, that have become popular when discussing concepts like truth, what is truth, and what should be accepted as truth. Um, There's people, especially in the past four years, people like Jordan Peterbro and all his bros, the intellectual Darkwing Ducks, 
who, you know, are out here railing against postmodernism. Uh, and postmodernism as a concept describes this shift in cultural attitudes and in thinking where academic thinkers and society at large have come to become more critical of ideas of truth. Um, and this critique of postmodernism that we see over and over again from people like Jordan Peterborough is usually framed in a way where they're saying, we can't just abandon the notion of truth, you know. Truth cannot be understood as subjective because if truth is understood as subjective, then that means everything and nothing is true simultaneously. So what's even the point of trying to come up with truths or how can we how can we establish and follow any sort of trajectory when trying to find truths or promote truths yada yada um and i think that this criticism is not entirely unwarranted of course i think a lot of these people that i'm thinking of when i'm speaking of this popular criticism uh, I think a lot of these people are alarmists in their own right. I also think that they themselves do not have a good grasp on this process of establishing and venerating truth. Um, and so I don't, I, don't, I don't align with them at all. I think they're a bunch of fucking idiots for the most part. <laughs> um... But I don't think that this, this criticism is entirely unwarranted whether or not I agree with the people who are making it. Because I definitely feel that we have come into a mode where the idea, for example, that, you know, anything is a construct. The word construct has become, in many conversations, to be almost synonymous with bad or undesirable, you know. We go about trying to have our conversations about whatever thing, and a lot of people will put forward this idea, well, this thing is a construct, as if that in and of itself proves something, you know, it, as if it answers something. Well, it's a construct, so, so what, bitch? Everything is a construct. Everything in the realm of language is a construct anyway, because all these words I am saying with my mouth, they don't really... <laughs> exist in actuality right even the objects they seek to describe or the concepts whether or not they describe any element of reality as experienced in our external world these concepts don't exist right they exist as placeholders as symbols of a thing so so what what is the problem it seems like a lot of people have internalized this idea that truth is subjective and because they feel as if truth is subjective that really does mean that anything and nothing can be true simultaneously right is this the kind of conclusion we want to come to is truth subjective is this what postmodernism as this vague nebulous described descriptor of a time period supposed to be pointing to the idea that truth is subjective is truth subjective what do you guys think?
Is truth subjective? I think that the problem here is really the same problem that exists in all of philosophy. The problem is that we are at all times dealing with words and with concepts on both a relative level or a localized level and also using them interchangeably uh, and oscillating without any sort of justification why or criteria for how we should do this into the universal, you know. Truth, I believe, is subjective on an intrapersonal level. What I mean by that is that my conception of what truth means as a concept is unique to myself. In my head, this network of ideas and concepts that exist in here in my mind as I am a thinking being, my conception of truth is absolutely unique to myself, which makes it subjective, you know. But as soon as we externalize these concepts and have conversations with each other, I believe that this is no longer true. As soon as we use concepts interpersonally, they are no longer subjective, they are relative. And in fact, our own subjective understandings of these terms came to us by way of this relative mode in the first place. I didn't come up with the idea of truth entirely by myself, you know. Who knows what I would do if I were alone by myself <laughs> with no language or something. I doubt I would even come up with such a concept. I probably wouldn't even come up with a language, you know. This system of language and of concepts and meaning, this, it almost describes like a software an operating system, you know, that has been installed into my head ever since I was a baby learning how to speak, you know. I had no say in the building or the structuring of any of this system of meaning and of logic and concepts and understanding what a concept like truth is. So even though my own intrapersonal relationship to this concept of truth is entirely subjective, it wasn't really founded on entirely subjective criteria. My understanding of what truth is came to me by way of existing to other people. It's a relative mode, relative meaning that it's contingent on variables that can change, you know. My understanding of truth in 2019 is relatively different it's, it's different than somebody's understanding of truth in, you know, 1620 France or some shit. Because the variables are changing. But the idea that it aims for is still the same, you know. Your unique understanding of a concept may be subjective to you. But this is not a subjective process, right? So, what is the fucking problem <laughs> what do we do i think that this this is something that is just so poorly understood by everybody 
and this is my problem that I feel I'm finding and communicating with others, it's that the criteria for how we make statements has become so ill-defined, it's almost become this mode where like, it's become very dogmatic, you know. Um, you shouldn't make a statement uh, if, if you think it could potentially carry any sort of harmful information, if the implications could harm other people, you know, or even yourself. And like that's that in and of itself is such a, you know, it's such a nebulous concept. Like who determines what? All it takes is one person to rise up and say that statement is harmful because X, Y, and everyone will be like, oh, yeah, didn't think of it. Let's go ahead with that, you know. I don't believe that truth is subjective, you know. But why do I say it's an illusion? What is truth? What the fuck is it? Well, <laughs> truth, clearly, first of all, and I dare someone to disagree with me on this one, truth is clearly a word, right? That's it. It's a word. It means something. What does it mean? Let's ask the dictionary. What is truth? What, 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 what? My computer's being slow. I'll just give you my definition because I don't give a fuck today about no fucking dictionaries. I'm upset. Okay, well, here we go. It just gave me it. It heard my urgency in my voice. I was like, don't get rid of me. Truth. <laughs> you ready i'm gonna skip the first one and i'll just this this is funny the definition already reveals the problem a judgment proposition or idea that is true or accepted as true <laughs> uh see see it's it's it doesn't mean anything now let's look up what is true true being in accordance with the actual state of affairs. Well, what is actual? Actual. Existing in fact or reality. But what's reality? Reality. The quality or state of being real. But what's real? Real, having objective, independent existence, not artificial, fraudulent, or illusory. Well, what the fuck is not artificial or illusory, at least in the realm of language? What the fuck is going on? What the fuck? What the fuck? What do I do? <laughs> I think I have an idea. I think that this is probably like part of part of the dissonance that uh, is... <laughs> Part of why this there's so much dissonance around these ideas is we try to establish truths. Somebody in the chat says, it's just a loop, LOL. That's right. That's right. Just goes on forever. This is what I think. I think that there are no fundamental truths to reality, right? 
there is nothing that can be said to be completely true when examining our human existence, you know. What could be a fundamental truth of human existence? The only thing that I think presents as being likely true or at least given and who Searle, the inventor of phenomenology, would agree with me and has some very complicated concepts that deals with this concept that I won't go into, but for all you philosophy nerds out there, shout outs to you. But I think the only thing that can be considered given about human existence, the only thing that might be considered fundamentally true, quote unquote, is the fact that I am experiencing something, you know? Descartes said, I think, therefore, I am. And in Phenomenology Club, we don't even want to assume this, you know. I think, therefore, I am. Therefore, I exist. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that the, that, that second position follows necessarily from the first one. But I think it is undoubtedly true that I think, therefore, I think I am. Whether or not I am, because who fucking knows, I know that I think I am. And I know that any of you listening to this also think, therefore, you think you are. You can entertain this idea that perhaps you don't exist. Perhaps all of this is an illusion. It's the matrix. It's a dream, whatever. These are the kinds of ideas Descartes was grappling with. But the reality remains that no matter what this is, you think you are. Because that's all you can do. My existence is in many ways reactionary, you know. There's all this external phenomena, and I, I am just here. I can't turn it off. I can't rearrange it. I can't make it something else. So if this is an illusion or a dream or the matrix, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, right? Because I can't do anything about it. I can use my words to try to describe it in some ulterior mode, but end of the day... I am stuck here, a perceiving being right now looking, looking at everything around me in this room, this dirty ass room that I need to clean. I can't turn it off. I think, therefore, I think I am. And I think I am here. I think that you all are there somewhere, wherever you are. And I think that we are likely all stuck in this mode. And I think that much of how we come to describe our external surroundings with language is informed by this state of being, this state of existing that is very reactionary, where I perceive things around me and I try to make sense of them. And I think that this idea becomes particularly illuminated when we think of the word reason. What does the word reason mean? The word reason is used interchangeably with words like rational, logic, thoughts, you know. The critique of pure reason. Isn't that interesting? Because what does reason also mean? Reason also is a thing that is a justification for something else, right? If I come home and there's fucking milk and cookies all over the floor, I'll think, what is the reason? 
Why did this happen? Reason is a word, a concept that illustrates the idea that something preceded this thing, right? I think that the same thing is true for all concepts and ideas and how we come to create logic and systems that establish truths. These systems that we come up with, we came up with to try and describe reality, to try to give a reason or reasons that offer some sort of justification for what we are experiencing involuntarily, you know. What is the reason that I am sitting here a perceiving thinking being? Who the fuck knows? Perhaps there is no reason. And this is kind of the problem, right? And why we have uh, entire schools of philosophy and people acting as if they've uncovered some revolutionary concept by, by saying that there's no meaning to life. None of this means anything. Like... Yeah, but that's because you're, you're, you're using meaning now in this universal context when meaning really only works on this more localized uh, scale, you know. Maybe the meaning of, you know, myself in a more localized context is that my mom got pregnant with some good fellas extra looking guido ass motherfucker from New Jersey who now denies I exist. And she decided not to have an abortion. And this is the reason that I am here, you know. But what's the reason I am here? I am here in a universal sense. There, there is none, really. Or maybe there is. Maybe you could scale out a little bit and say the reason is because humans evolved from this or that. You know, there's reasons at every level. But does reason really exist? Is there a reason for everything? Maybe, maybe if you if you can articulate and come up with some system of words and concepts and logic to make it apply to that but the more you scale out the more you zoom out the more abstract you get it becomes harder and harder to identify reasons for things and this is why we have these nihilists saying that life has no meaning when that that statement itself is a meaningful statement you came to that conclusion out of a system of meaning you know it's arbitrary. You could say life has no meaning. You could say life has this or that meaning. It's ultimately very arbitrary. You are all coming to these separate conclusions by following these trajectories of reason that we are all embroiled in. We're all stuck in it. And we're all doing it the same way. And this is another thing that people, I feel, really, really butt heads over. And it's stupid, you know. This idea that, like... There's alternate ways of reaching truths, you know. Uh, people like to compare and contrast concepts like science and religion. Like, you know, there's matters of the spirit and there's matters of science. Or Christians believe in God because they are not using rational scientific thought and I am an atheist because I am rational and scientific. I think that that's such an arbitrary and stupid and irrational distinction. The same process that led me to conclude that there is no God is the same exact process that leads someone else to conclude there is a God. We're doing the same fucking thing. 
I look around, I'm making connections. I see the body of natural science. I see that this and that thing makes sense. I follow this rational trajectory of finding and establishing reasons and accepting them to ultimately come to my conclusion. And the person who believes in God does the same exact thing. They look outside and say, wow, isn't it beautiful? Wow, I feel this emotional response to this. This is the reason I'll believe in this. I can't, I can't fight the reason that I believe in this. You believe in God because you can't help it. Just like I believe there is no God because I can't help it. It's not a decision. These are both rational conclusions. But of course, there's criteria established for what is the best way to do this, you know. And this, I think, is the problem. The problem for why we can't more easily come to agreements because nobody wants to talk about the structural framework that underlies this process of finding and establishing truths. We only want to talk about it on the most superficial level, you know. There is a God, there's not a God because this and that and this and that. We don't want to actually sit down and think about, well, how did we come to this conclusion? And was that conclusion reached in a similar way to how you reached the conclusion that preceded it, you know? Because we, me and the Christian will both agree, oh, look, the universe is amazing or something, you know. Why? Because I experience it. And then, you know, what's next? What follows from this premise? Someone might say, oh, so that might mean somebody created it. And I would ask why, you know. I would think that that's an assumption, and that's an assumption that's reached based on a totally different set of criteria than the one that was just previous, you know. KJ says, who cares if we're in a simulation? We are existing currently, right? So who gives a fuck? Well, I mean, I agree in some ways. Um, you know, if if we are existing in a simulation, I would absolutely want to know, though, wouldn't you? I mean, we are curious people, aren't we? Aren't you a curious mind? Wouldn't you just want to know? I would want to know. Um, why not? Why not? But... I think that the problem, like I said, is that we don't want to describe the criteria for how we come to truth. And we're all doing this the same way, so it shouldn't be that fucking hard. Instead, we'd rather sit and bicker all fucking day long. So what is truth? Truth is a word, right? And it describes a set of conditions. What are the conditions? I think that the conditions are that... All the variables that exist in this equation of coming up to us, of, of establishing a truth, that they're logically consistent within this broader scale of logic we have, right? The apple is red. Let's say I have an apple here that is red. The apple is red. Is that a true statement? Yes. Why is it a true statement? Because we all agree on the variables and the variables make sense in the broader scale of this system of logic and of language that we have come up with, you know. The apple might not be really anything in actuality. We could we could choose to call it yellow. We should we could choose to call the thing we experience right now as red yellow instead and call yellow red, you know. And then that would be true if I say instead the apple is yellow. So what really has changed? Nothing except our group agreement for using these terms all in the same way, you know. But is that it? I mean, is it all just just 
these these things that come up with nothing why is there even an impulse to even describe this apple or describe it as having some sort of characteristic you know i think that clearly this system of language and logic we came up with to describe our reality you know and we have we have established criteria for how best to do this and we need to also constantly be questioning and trying to improve the criteria that already exists for this you know like we all seem to agree at present that if somebody who is experiencing some sort of severe mental illness maybe a schizoaffective disorder if they are hallucinating that you know they are speaking to Abraham Lincoln in front of them. And none of us experience this as well. It seems like we will all pretty much agree that, okay, we should not say that this person is actually speaking to Abraham Lincoln. It might present as being completely true in this person's subjective experience, but because we can't all see Abraham Lincoln as well, we will not accept this idea as true, you know. This idea is also mirrored in the natural sciences this uh theory or not theory principle of repeatability which i probably brought up many times here i need to find some other ones to talk about as well but the principle of science that in order to consider a thing scientifically true or valued valuable we need to be able to repeat it in different conditions by different people so that if i just say look i found the cure to cancer because this guy had cancer and i cured him doing this that won't be accepted as a scientifically valid truth unless all other scientists can also repeat the same thing under different conditions with different cancer patients and their patients will also be cured. And if this remains consistent, if it works for everybody, then this will become accepted now as a truth, you know. It wasn't true or untrue before this happened. So why did I call this truth as an illusion though? What am I, what is the problem? What am I, what am I saying? Because it sounds like I'm saying truth is subjective. Um, but I don't believe this at all. I believe that, you know, all truths are empirical. And this is also a principle of natural science. And empirical and empiricism is just the idea, the theory, that all knowledge comes to us by way of what is observable, you know. And observation is a completely subjective process. I observe my external reality and what, what kinds of conclusions I draw from ex observing my external reality helps me establish truths and systems of meaning, you know. Um, but the concept of truth in and of itself, um, I think that because of the way we have structured it and because of the way language itself is structured, that the kind of confidence, the kind of feeling, the kind of subjective aura we all experience around this concept of truth is largely an illusion. It presents as being like a binary thing, you know. This is either true or untrue. It cannot be anything else. Um, and I think that this is a problem and a problem that we should really seek to address in our language. Um, and I think the next episode I'll do is on E-prime language.
because this really gets at this idea. E prime is a language that was invented by, I mean, it wasn't invented. It's more a language mode invented by uh, some psychologists, psychiatrists, sociologists, I forget, something like that, um, where they omit all forms of the verb to be, including is. And the idea is that this word is, which is so integral to our structures of grammar, and meaning in English in particular. I don't know other languages. I wish I did so I could have some sort of a comparison. Um, the word is itself kind of gives us this sense of false confidence, you know. The apple is red. Is the apple actually red? I mean, sure, maybe, but is that the most rational thing to say? Is that the most is that the best way to word it? it? It instills in the person who makes the statement, I think, a sense of almost false confidence, you know. Because I think it would be more rational to say the apple appears red. Because when you word it this way, you're emphasizing that you are experiencing the apple as this color that we all experience red. That's how you know what red means when I say the word. But the apple appears red, I think, is a much more rational statement, you know. But if I go out saying the apple appears red, people are going to be like, what do you mean the apple appears red? It's not actually red? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I think it's more rational to say it appears red. I think that the internal affect that results from these different sorts of statements, the more you think about it, it's like, wow, who my worldview is like such a product of these the structure of language that leads me to all these various conclusions, you know? I think that in a in a different framework of language and of understanding and of logic where perhaps we didn't have words that basically go around describing our reality as if things definitely are that thing is that that thing is that it is that and instead said it appears this way it appears that way i think that the internal affect will be much different i think we would come up with all different sorts of world views you know uh and i think that the the relevance and why such a thing should even be uh pursued what what would be good about it is because I think that when you make less definitive conclusions about your external reality, then more possibilities emerge, you know. We as thinkers are very biased, uh, logically biased, you know. I have a whole upload on this if you'd like to watch it. The implicit logical bias of language, and it's very much about this idea. That the apple is red is in and of itself a biased statement because it assumes something. It's making a definitive conclusion that this apple is red. And it's like, it seems so arbitrary, of course, because a lot of people will say, well, who gives a fuck, you know? But I think if we're really trying to create systems of logic and of language that accurately and most rationally describe our reality, it's in our best interest to be as accurate and as rational as possible. And I believe that it's much more rational and accurate to say that it appears red. Because who knows, you know? I think therefore I am, or I think therefore I think I am. A lot of people think this is arbitrary, but it's not. The more you think about it, the more you realize how much everything you believe 
is informed by these structures of truth finding and language and logic and really like nothing this isn't up to you you know everything that we think is reactionary we're only given a certain set of tools to work with i mean the more you meditate on this concept it will literally drive you insane this shit like really fucked me up for a while I couldn't escape this feeling that I was trapped in a system of meaning that I had literally nothing to do with the building of, you know. But the more I think about it, the more it's like, well, even if we do one day decide we need some sort of radical restructuring of our language and our logic, I think no matter what, we had to come up with at least one system to begin navigating these ideas. So it shouldn't be seen as something that is akin to a prison, you know? I mean, even if it is, I'm going to choose to try to frame it differently to myself in my own head and try to choose to see the more optimistic uh, viewpoint. That even though I had nothing to do with this building of logic and language, and I know that there's so much bias, so much is's and R's and B's in here that make me feel this false sense of confidence about everything around me that I try to describe with my language, I'm going to try to be optimistic and say, well, then perhaps this is the first step of the process. And, you know, I should embrace the challenge enthusiastically this idea that we can make contributions and try to find better structural approaches to these systems of language and of logic and this is part of why i love phenomenology so much because this was this was husserl's mo essentially the idea that philosophy will never really reach its true or maximum potential until we try to standardize our approach to these sorts of things. Because when you look at the history of philosophy, it's just a lot of radical restructurings being put forward by this or that person. And, you know, it's kind of masturbatory because it's true that we integrate some ideas. Some ideas will be revolutionary and we'll all integrate them, you know, like David Hume, I think, for example, with the problem of induction, a lot of people were like, wow, great point. We need to integrate this into our future philosophies. Or, you know, Hegel. Hegel was a game changer. Um, but when you look at the history of philosophy, I think that this isn't, this isn't true for many, many people, you know. Um, anyway, so this is why we need phenomenology. Um, oh, yeah. I, I didn't finish my last thought, my last thought, why I think that there's a better way to look at this concept of truth instead of it as being this sort of binary mode where it's true or untrue. I think that we should recognize that since all truths are established in a way that um, really you can only be more, you can only make a statement that is more or less true. I think that that is the more rational way to approach this by thinking that truth itself as a concept uh, exists in our heads, I think, in a way that is largely illusory. And we should confront this within ourselves, you know, the idea that I've reached a truth. It feels complete. It feels whole and final. I think that we should challenge this feeling within ourselves like. Perhaps it isn't, you know, this is an illusion because I think that truth more resembles a spectrum. You have things that are more or less true. 
um, and you know this this will become so the variables that influence this are just infinite you know the apple is red if I'm holding a, a red apple I think most people will put this all the way at the end of the of the likely true spectrum if, if such a spectrum existed I think most people would put it there for good reason because there's there's really only so many variables like the apple and it being red does this match yeah great that is most likely very true you know but then when thinking about things like hypothesizing into future possibilities you know um if i if i shit <laughs> if i light my house on fire will people die i don't know how do i come up with what i think i know that there's a few people home uh, that live on the bottom floor. I like to think maybe they could get out if I like the house on fire. Though I guess in this <laughs> hypothetical circumstance, do I want them to die? Who the fuck knows? I don't know. But like trying to come up with what is most more or less likely true. Who knows? There's so many variables. There's so many things. You really can't say it's true. That people will die. People will not die. It's only more or less true. This is how it works with pretty much all concepts. Even the fucking apple. The apple is red is most likely true, but there's no point in enshrining that truth because we want to open ourselves up to, to variable possibilities. So before I get out of here, does anybody have any, uh, any ideas? This is all I wanted to say. I think next I want to talk more about E-Prime language because I've been trying to use E prime language a little bit more in my personal life. Um and I do feel as if my worldview is being changed in certain ways that I find very peculiar. And I find it to be a worthwhile exercise, even if it's not not a thing that seems like, you know, very plausible uh for integrating fully into your life and the way you speak or the way you speak to others. I think there's all sorts of ways we can challenge these systems of meaning that we have all found ourselves imprisoned in, in the interest of trying to allow ourselves to be more open to alternate possibilities. Because the more you do this, the more these possibilities really do emerge, you know. I find myself, like, becoming more and more open-minded, in, in my opinion, than ever in ways that even surprise myself I always like to think that I was open-minded but I feel like the more I continue in this mode the more like I'm like damn bitch really you thought of that wow that's novel that's novel wow so it is a worthwhile activity I'm not sure if you're speaking to each other or to me um Someone just said, how would you know which is the correct perception of the objective phenomena? Well, objective, I mean, objective is a hypothetical state of being, right? We don't really, I mean, objectivity does not exist in actuality, right? It's the state of things external to us. It's a hypothetical mode because even if you know, such a thing existed, which why would it? Because it's just kind of an illustrative concept. What does it essentially describe, you know? 
if it describes the state of things, how do we try to find what is objective? The criteria the, uh, the, for, for using objective as some sort of applicable concept is what seems true, more true for everyone, right? To bring up this example of someone hallucinating again, you know, why don't we take it as true that the person hallucinating that they're speaking with Abraham Lincoln, why is that not true? And we don't really fight about this. We all seem to agree that person's hallucinating. Because the greater number of people is not also experiencing this hallucination. So it seems more likely true, though of course, you know, we can't verify it. But it seems more likely true that this person is having a hallucination. And what they're experiencing is not there in quote-unquote objective reality this is how we come up with all types of things even a thing like color which is a reoccurring theme you know the apple is red it seems that whether or not we all understand and perceive colors in entirely different ways because it's it's totally possible it seems that no matter what we still see colors change for the most part and this isn't true for all places in the world like I believe in Japan, for example, they don't even have a different uh, word for blue versus for green. They kind of mesh them together, you know. Um, but it seems that we all agree that a color still ends somewhere and another color begins, you know. So let's say what I experience as red, you experience as yellow. If we take something that becomes more orangish red or whatever, it seems like we all can agree yeah, that's more orangey than red, or maybe we should come up with a different word. You don't have someone being like, no, that's exactly that other color I described. So even if we're experiencing these colors differently, what we do know is that they all seem to end around the same frequency, like <laughs> the same parts on the frequency spectrum, you know. I don't know what the fuck you're experiencing, but at least I know that when I point to this thing, I can call it red, even if you see it as yellow, and I could point to this color, and even these gradients in between, and you'll also agree that there's some sort of a gradient happening, you know? So in that sense, these words take on, we describe them as, or these concepts we describe as being objective because the great number of people can relate to them. I think this is the kind of criteria that we use. Uh, when trying to describe reality. And I also will say, uh, I think the question itself, is this an illusion? I think the question itself um, has just become so romanticized, uh, not just in culture. This is, this is an idea that's always been kind of romanticized ever since it really kind of emerged. I mean, there's a reason that Descartes is considered one of the most influential philosophers in Western philosophy because a lot of people didn't really <laughs> think about that before. Like, wait, how do I know I'm here? How do I know this isn't a dream? You know? Um, but I think that no matter what, like KJ sort of said earlier, uh, we think <laughs> it seems likely that we're all experiencing something relatively similar. 
And this idea is evidenced by the fact that we can come up with concepts that seem to make sense to all of us. Whether or not, like I said, we're perceiving them differently independently, it seems likely true that whatever we're doing is working. We are describing something and we're at least, what we're describing, I think, and what what objective really is, is we're describing what we have in common about this experience, you know? All of language kind of does this. It's applicable ideas, you know? I can try to create some concept for something that's entirely subjective, but I think it will be lost on other people. If they can't relate to the concept, the idea, if it describes nothing in their reality, whether external or internal, then the concept has no value. So this is why I say, you know, true objectivity is not, is not real, but it is a useful hypothetical state of things, you know. And what we are aiming for is the thing, the things that we all have in common in this experience. And this process of finding these things is relative because I'm standing where I'm standing and you're standing where you're standing. And we're both looking at the same thing from different positions. We exist in different positions relative to this thing. And concepts aim at things and our relative position to them is always changing, you know. This is why I think that morality, even though I describe it as relative, I think that in some ways it almost, it does take on uh, objective qualities. We just had a discussion about this in Phenomenology Club, you know, where like a caveman kills their disabled child or something uh, in the interest of like group preservation. And then in the current day you would not just be able to kill your disfigured child you would go to jail that would be immoral so a thing that was moral in one civilization and is now immoral uh in our in our modern civilization is that proof that morality uh has no sort of shared criteria throughout the ages i don't think so because i think that in both instances the thing that was being aimed for was the good of the group you know the cavemen <laughs> killed their disabled child because it was for the good of the group. It promoted survival of their kind in some ways. And the same is true in the now. We don't kill our disfigured children because we don't have to. And we want to promote their survival and the survival of all of us as a group. So really what has changed? Nothing except the relative variables. What kind of obstacles uh, and factors were present in coming up with this equation, trying to find out what is moral or immoral. Know what I'm saying? All right, let me get out of here. Um, I said that I would stop making stupid uploads, and I hope that <laughs> this is partially a fulfillment of that statement. I wanted to uh, get back on the phenomenology track. Um, yeah, and, and speaking of... Uh, Please subscribe to the Patreon uh, because, like I've said in the past few uploads, we're about to do our uh, we're about to resume our reading series, uh, and Hegel is up next, and then I believe Nietzsche, and then Husserl, my boy, and Heidegger, and then a bunch of shit. Once we get to the uh, 21st century, we're just gonna go ham. Not the 21st, that ninth. Oh God. I centuries the 20th century we're just gonna go ham as fuck 
We're just going to go all over the fucking map. So if you're trying to read some stuff, trying to get deep, trying to get philosophical, come join us via the Patreon link. It's only $1. And thank you, as always, for listening to my dumb fucking bullshit. Oh, yeah, don't forget to give it a thumbs up because that helps the YouTube algorithm. But uh, thank you all. And have a great fucking day.